From Washington, this is Talking Tax. I'm Jeff Leon. Nonprofit organizations, do they have to disclose their donors to state officials? That's a question the Supreme Court is going to be taking up next week. The case before them involves a California law that requires nonprofits to tell the state about their largest benefactors. A coalition of nonprofits, led by the libertarian Koch brothers, say this law has a chilling effect on free speech because it could trigger the harassment of donors who give to controversial organizations. Not so, according to California. The Golden State says nonprofits already give their donor info to the IRS. And plus, it promises to keep the info private. However, the petitioners in the case note that data breaches can, and in fact have, occurred. It's a thorny issue that the Supreme Court is faced with. And here to help us sort this all out is Lloyd Mayer, a law professor at the University of Notre Dame who specializes in tax issues involving nonprofits. He says the case will ultimately come down to whether California can prove that it needs this donor info bad enough that the disclosure requirement is appropriate. Going deeper, the case is really about what's the constitutional standard the governments have to meet in order to require organizations to disclose information about their donors, whether confidentially or even publicly. Why is this case such a big issue? Um, you know, it's being followed by so many different groups. Like, why? what's the big deal about this case? So the big deal is that constitutional standard. Uh, the nonprofits in this case are asking the Supreme Court to tighten up that standard, to make it more difficult for governments to require organizations to share information about their donors. Um, well, on the face of it, they're only asking for that tightening up to occur in this context of charity regulation. It's hard to imagine that the court would not then extend any tighter standard to other contexts, particularly elections, which implicates dark money. So um, I want to ask a question about, you know, um, dark money. So could you share maybe a little bit more about like what exactly dark money means and what it means in this kind of case right here? So. Dark money simply means that the initial source of funds for an organization and its activities is simply not known. Um, and to be fair, for most organizations, including most charities, you don't know who the donors are unless the charity or the donor have self-advertised that they gave the money. And many donors, of course, give anonymously or prefer not to have their names out there for lots of legitimate reasons. Um, but with what dark money has come to be known at or associated with is elections and political activity. So the concern in that context is that there are people out there funneling millions, maybe tens of millions of dollars to organizations that help candidates get elected or stop other candidates from getting elected. And right. you don't know who these sources of funds are. Um, and that doesn't mean to say the candidates don't know. Sometimes the candidates do know, which raises the concern that perhaps they will feel uh, a sense of gratitude toward those donors. But in any conditions, you simply don't know who's providing the money. And the groups can have innocuous names like Americans for a Better America. Gotcha. Gotcha. Makes sense. So, you know, for this um, for this case, I know that, um, you know, some folks and some academics and some lawyers have made mention about this case potential connection to uh, the ruling in Citizens United from the Supreme Court. You know, I'm wondering uh, where this case kind of connects to the ruling in that case. Sure. So Citizens United is identified as the Supreme Court case that have opened the floodgates for large money donors to funnel 
um, their donations to groups that didn't necessarily have to disclose their donors so those groups could then engage in political advertising. Again, supporting or opposing candidates, but in ways that don't trigger the federal election law or state election law disclosure regimes. Um, to be fair, even before Citizens United, you could, there were ways of doing this, but they were a little more complicated. They were legally a little more dicey. Uh, and so a lot of donors were more wary of taking advantage of them. Once as the United said, any corporation, for-profit or non-profit, could spend money on elections, uh, then that sort of gave a green light for people to say, oh, I don't need to understand complex laws or hire a bunch of lawyers. I can just give the money to the group. And if it's a group that doesn't engage, isn't subject to these disclosure rules under either tax law or election law, then my donation's anonymous. Um, the group knows who gave it, but not the pu the public doesn't know. Uh, government regulators don't know unless they actually conduct some sort of audit or examination of the group. The other key part of Citizens United was there actually was a disclosure ruling in Citizens United. By an eight to one vote, the Supreme Court said, if um, in that context, if you support certain election related ads, the federal government can require the organization running the ads to disclose who gave money um, to the Federal Election Commission and ultimately to the public. And they said that was okay because the constitutional standard is something called exacting scrutiny. And what that means is that the government just has to demonstrate that there's a substantial relation with a sufficiently important governmental purpose um, to justify the donor disclosure. And in that case, again, by an eight to one vote, Justice Thomas being the lone dissenter, uh, the court said under that standard, the disclosure rules um, that apply to certain election-related communications and Citizens United were valid and constitutional. And so in that case, Citizens United had to file reports disclosing who was giving money to it to fund those kinds of communications. So, you know, with this case coming up, I mean, um, you know, all eyes are pretty much on this case and especially kind of like looking to like some of these new justices, you know, I'm wondering what are your thoughts on how do you think this court may approach this case or look at this case? Well, as you noted, the, the real question mark here is what the justices that have joined the court since Citizens United will do in this context. So um, we actually have four new justices since Citizens United. We have Justices Barrett, Gorsuch, Kagan and Kavanaugh have joined the court. And it's not clear, we simply don't know what their views are about the appropriate constitutional standard in this context. Will they agree with the nonprofits here and maybe Justice Thomas that a stricter standard is required? Or will they agree with the majority of the court back in 2010 and Citizens United that no, the exacting scrutiny standard is the correct one? There's also a second question uh, that we, it's very, people are very curious to learn about from these justices which is there's very little evidence on either side of this case. And by that, I mean California doesn't have a lot of evidence that it actually uses this information to regulate charities. And on the other hand, the nonprofits don't have a lot of evidence that the non-public, the confidential disclosure of this information to California really burdens the associational rights of their supporters, which is their constitutional claim. It will be interesting to see whether, especially these four justices, which narrative they give more deference to. Uh, in the Cities United decision, the majority of the court, eight justices, gave a lot of deference to a voter education narrative because that and how donor disclosure helped voters understand who to vote for. Well, Justice Thomas gave a lot more credence to sort of a burden or harassment narrative that the um, nonprofit in that case was advancing. 
But we don't know which narrative, again, with very little evidence on either side, frankly, uh, the new justices will be more sympathetic to. What I wanted to next ask you about is, um, you know, again, this has gained a lot of visibility to both the previous Trump administration and now, you know, more recently, the Biden administration has kind of weighed in on this case. I'm wondering, could you, if you could speak to like maybe some of the changes of this administration versus the last administration, how they view this case? So there are two significant possible implications. One is the immediate impact. Can California, New York, New Jersey, other states that require donor disclosure to them as part of their charity regulation, will they continue to be able to do it? I mean, what the nonprofits are asking for here is that California not be allowed to ask for this information, at least not generally. Uh, they maybe still be able to ask for it in the context of a particular examination or audit, but they couldn't ask for it from all charities registered in California. Uh, and if California can't do it, other states couldn't do it either. But the larger potential ramification is if the court adopts a stricter standard for donor disclosure, it's hard to see how the court could justify only applying that standard in the charity regulation context. It's a constitutional standard. Uh, it should apply across all contexts, including, let's say, the election law context. Now, how it applies, whether this means that donor disclosure in election law would be unconstitutional, that's a, that's a different question because the governmental interests are different and how closely tied to those interests donor disclosure is, is different in that context. But certainly the, the big concern that a lot of people have who are worried about money in elections and knowing who gave the money is that if the court increases the standard here, tightens it up, that will eventually lead to a tightening up in the election area and limit the ability of the federal government and state governments to require donor disclosure when it comes to political activity in elections. Lloyd, thank you very much for taking the time to chat with us today. I'm happy to do so. That was Lloyd Mayer, a professor at the University of Notre Dame Law School. For another perspective on this case, check out our sister podcast, Cases and Controversies, which covers the Supreme Court. They did a whole episode on this case. Definitely check it out. You can find up-to-the-minute news on the latest tax and accounting developments at our website, news.bloombergtax.com. That website, once again, is news.bloombergtax.com. And if you have any thoughts about what you just heard, or really anything else, get in touch with us on Twitter. We use the handle at tax. Talking Tax is produced by myself, Jeff Leon, and David Schultz. Patrick Ambrosio is our editor. From Washington, I'm Jeff Leon. Thanks for listening. My name is David Schultz, and I'm here to announce On the Merits, a new podcast from Bloomberg Law that brings you everything you need to know about the biggest legal stories of the week, coupled with smart interviews and analysis on a variety of topics, such as the incoming Biden administration's judicial priorities. So I think diversity is, is kind of the watchword here. We'll also keep our eyes on the Supreme Court. Now everyone is on Breyer watch. We're all watching to see when or if Justice Breyer is going to step down. You'll hear voices and perspectives from across the legal industry, including reporters and editors, attorneys, legal scholars, general counsel. But lest you think this podcast is all just news you can use, from time to time we stumble on a court docket or legal opinion that, for whatever reason, just piques our interest. And he started this opinion, 224ths of it, Citing the Passchendaele battle is one of the largest battles of World War One. Um, that seems like a strange way to start off an opinion on corporate law. 
you can download on the Maris wherever you get your podcasts.